Thank you. It's, I was, can I say, don't tell anyone else this, please, but I was really pleased to draw kings out <laughs> of the hat. Because I've been before, I know quite a few of you, um, and it's much less nerve-wracking coming somewhere um, where you've got familiar faces and um, people who smile and people, people who listen and uh, it's people that we meet round and about in the street as well. So that's great. So I, um, I prepared a sermon for this morning and now Richard has said you want to hear a bit about the Salvation oh, Army. I'll tell you a little bit, but I see I don't like doing that particularly. But I will share a few things. I, wanna, I want actually to ask for your prayers because I retire in June. Um, I need your prayers for retirement because my wife will still be working for a couple of years after I retire and she's already expecting me to be doing all sorts of things um, while, while she's off having a relaxing time at work. Um, so we need prayers for that. I'll be moving away as well, so, um, you know, Adelston will have just been 10 years here uh, when we move. And it's been a, a fascinating 10 years. So I've been, I've been doing this job, this role, for many years. I, was a, I started off teaching when I left college. Um, and then we, we trained my wife and I together for ministry. And we worked together sharing church leadership. And then um, <clears throat> when I came down to Adelston, my wife's uh, based in learning and development for the Salvation Army, so she tends to work in London, although these days does as, almost as much from home as travelling into London, which is really nice. So um, I've been doing this for a time. Adelston was going to be a challenge because it was very small. There were all sorts of things about it that were quite different to what we had experienced before. But I, w- I will say this, and this, this can be public, um, I've been g- more greatly blessed in the last nine years in terms of seeing so- sort of very specific outcomes for ministry than, than over... A long, you know, over the long term, which has been really weird, um, particularly because a lot of it's been to do with youth, and I'm old, and I've never done... In, in the past, Jean did all the youth stuff because it wasn't my bag. Um, but here, God has, God has a way, hasn't he, of, of just doing his thing, and, and that's what it's about. Um, but I want your prayers, not just for my retirement, but more specifically, prayers for um, whoever is coming, we hope, we pray, um, in July to take my place. We don't know names yet. It'd be lovely if it was a married couple working together. That might be, it might not be. It's very much um, open at the moment, but um, it, should, it should all become clear early in the new year. Your prayers, please, for that. Your prayers for the, the initiatives that we've started. Some of, them were, some of them won't continue. There's a few things we do that um, you know, we need to wrap up, ready for a fresh season and a new start. But there are one or two things that we're doing that, that we really want um, to continue because we feel they're very much in, in God's plan. Um, and you mentioned youth stuff. And about seven years ago, we started... We, we, we couldn't get young people into our morning service. And I could understand that because it wasn't geared for them. And it's very hard to gear it for people who are not there, hoping that they'll come. And the, pe- the youngsters that we were getting to the youth clubs were no way going to be up at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. It just wasn't going to happen. We didn't have families with young people. So we thought the only way around is to start a youth event. We called it Youth Church because we wanted it to be, we wanted to have all the elements of church in it. 
So uh, we started this on a Sunday afternoon and it has been a blessing beyond measure. It really has been something special. And um, very interesting, there's been one or two that have journeyed through the sort of seven or so years that we've been running this. One person who I'm thinking of at the moment came as a non-believer, having come to church as a young child but then left for other things, sports in particular, came as an unbeliever, came through the youth club, through the, the Sunday afternoon congregation and is currently training for ministry. So when that's, so it's, it's just one person, but actually that's good enough. That's absolutely fine. Um, so there have been many blessings like that and that's the area that I'm hoping will continue and will continue to flourish. So I share that with you. What else do we do? We do, we do church stuff, you know, the same as you guys do. And I, I look um, at what's happening here and I'm thinking, that's great. There's so many things, so much engagement with the community, particularly looking for those who are marginalised, those, those who are struggling through life, those... You know, some people would talk about, you know, being given a, a, you know, a duff hand, maybe. And, and it's not quite how we think. But, you know, some people, some people seem to have been the victim all the way through their lives. And they hold on to that. And coming to church, as they do here, I know, enables them to be set free from some of this. And that is fantastic. And um, it's about God, isn't it? It's about God choosing us and blessing us. By the way, what, there's a clock over there which is useful. What time do I need to stop, Richard? Seriously. Well, we, serve, we serve food um, in about an hour and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to... Now, give me a sensible time to stop. 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. From now? Yeah. Okay, that's, now. that's just, just before 10 to. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, OK. We'll see how we go then. I've got lots of pieces of paper here. So I'll just juggle, I'll juggle them around accordingly. We need, to look at, we need to look at the Bible, don't we? Should we look at the Bible? 1 Peter chapter 2 is the passage that I believe God has given us or given me to share with you this morning. This is a great passage. And I'm so pleased our young people are in here this morning. Do you stay all the way through? Yes. Yeah, that is really good. Um, because some of what I want to say... I hope will resonate for yourselves, but it is not just about young people. It's for all of us. This is, a, this is an all-encompassing passage. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm just going to read the first 12 verses. And it looks like you've all got NIVs. We could read from the NIV, but I've actually got um, an, a new living with me this morning. What should we do? Do you want, do you want the new living? or? Yeah, okay, here it is there take my glasses off so I can see it and we're starting from the beginning of the chapter 1 Peter chapter 2 therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to him the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That's all of us, everyone, to be a holy priesthood, offering special sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, 
See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. Those are difficult verses to grasp. I hear that. I'm not going to attempt to talk about them this morning. But the next bit, I think, is so important. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, but you are a chosen people. Hear that? You, everyone here this morning, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I felt I needed to um, talk about... The fact that, wait for the quote, hope you recognise it, life works with Jesus. Yeah? Yeah? I didn't come up with that quote before arriving here this morning. I read it on the screen. Um, So, yeah, God didn't give me that. But I did want to talk about how life works within us and how God has called us to do life. I wanted to talk a bit about identity and purpose. And and how God continually calls his people and continually leads us so that we can choose the life that God requires of us. So if you like a specific short text, chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people. Declared to praise the Lord. Sorry, called to declare and to praise the Lord. I love the fact that here, a little bit like at the Salvation Army, people are allowed to speak out and to share things. And I was wondering whether to do this this morning. Um, I was wondering whether to ask you just to share something about how you came to the Christian faith or sensed God's calling to a specific task. Um, probably won't do that but have a think about it if I was to pick on you now I I should actually say I might well I will pick on somebody no I won't just so that you think about this Um, if you were to have to talk about God's calling general calling or specific tasks would you be able to identify something and speak about it I think most would and I think perhaps many of you would also be able to talk about what influenced that calling what made it happen the situation the scenario and it might well involve other people because so often God speaks to us through other people doesn't he 
In fact, if we were to say, you know, what, what was the strongest influence that made you become a Christian? I reckon 70-80% of us would give the name of somebody. It might be parents, it might be a friend at school, it, it might be a visiting preacher, um, church leader, various people. But God calls and God uses people. And he, he calls all people, we're all part of this calling to be a royal priesthood. The Bible uses a number of words speaking about calling. Some of them are difficult to, um, to talk about. He taught, uh, choose is a nice easy one. Um, determine, call, predestine. Those words have slightly different flavours about them depending on our churchmanship and where we come from and our, and our theology. But they're all about the fact that God has a plan and a purpose. And that, I think, is significant. And that's why I'm so pleased we have some young people here. Because one of the issues of being young is that people ask you what you're going to do when you grow up. And it's a horrible question, isn't it, to be asked, don't you think? And unless you know clearly, but most have no idea. And sometimes you have to invent something just to stop the adults asking. And um, sometimes you sort of hide away and you think, well, you know, what's... But, you know, God does eventually reveal his will to us. He speaks to us. But it's not just for young people, it's for all of us. God has a plan. So I'm praying, you know, God, where, where am I going in June and July? You know, what's it going to be like? What is the plan? What is the scenario going to be? What is the, what is the role for the next period of time? And that's something that I, I hope and expect all of us as Christians are thinking about. It's God's initiative. God calls us. The initiative is that, it, that um, is in God's hands and we are wise to stop and to listen. Isaiah, if you want a verse from the Old Testament, Isaiah 42 and verse 1, here is my servant whom I, this is God speaking, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Now we can identify that as prophecy for Jesus, but we can also identify it as words spoken to God's people for all time and for every situation. So God in effect is saying to you, you're my servant. I've called you, I've chosen you, I brought you here. Another question I could have asked is, why, guys, why are you here this morning? Um, obviously, because you didn't know I was preaching. So uh, <laughs> there, there is wisdom in not announcing it, isn't there, Richard? But why are you here this morning? And I would want to say, because I believe it, that God has brought you here. Now, some might say, no, God didn't bring me here. My parents said, get in the car, it's time to go to church. <laughs> That's fine. Some people might be thinking, oh my goodness, if my parents are looking down on me, they'd expect me to be here this morning. So even now, that they haven't given us that instruction for so many years, but I'm still doing it, because that's what I do. But I suspect that actually the truth is that God has called you here. Yeah? God has brought you to this place. It might not be to stay forever, but it might be just because this morning, this is where he wants you to be. He's chosen you. He's called you. He wants to speak for you. He knows in advance 
what the plan is. He has a purpose for you. Some of you will have been called to very specific tasks. And if you haven't been already, maybe you will be. And sometimes that involves a big move. It might involve selling up. It might involve a, a new career. It might, in, you know, it might involve retraining. It can be really big things. But I would suggest also that God calls us to specific tasks that are things that we do today or tomorrow morning. And very often, if I, I use Tesco's, as I'm sure quite a number of us do, and when I'm in Tesco's, not that I'm particularly holy, but I just like to think to myself, well, who should I go and speak to? Which checkout person should I go to today? So I have a little group of checkout people because <laughs> rather, than, rather than just, you know, throw the seed and see where it lands, I'm trying to be a bit specific. And those that have spoken in the past are the ones that I'll go back to. And I'll tell them why I've just bought... Um, you know, a trolley with, say, you know, 60 burgers in it, you know, and say, this, look, this isn't, this isn't my diet. <laughs> this is because of what we're doing at church. This is because of how we're serving. This, you know, and um, I just, it's, it's about saying to God, well, where do you want me today? Who do you want me to speak to today? What is the situation where you have called me, what you have called me to? Where, why have you chosen me? to be here today. Um, we are God's church. That's our identity, God's chosen people. For those who struggle with who they are, this passage speaks into it. If we're talking to somebody who feels lost in life, this passage is such a powerful passage. Um, and it's, it's built, it builds itself on Passages from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 19 says, and this is, you know, obviously right at the beginning. You will be my special people. Out of all the nations, for the whole earth is mine. You will be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In Isaiah 43, we read that we um, are God's chosen people. My people whom I have made my special priority to declare my praises. So if we're chosen, one of the reasons why we're chosen is to declare his praises. We could interpret that, of course, as being a great calling for a worship leader, or maybe for us as Christians who come into this really lovely environment and praise God together. But it's not just about declaring his praises in church. It's about declaring his praises out there in the supermarket checkout queue. Dare I say it, at school or at college. It's often hard, but you know, it's funny how when you do, you've nearly always found someone who it resonates with and who understands. And it's just great that there are other Christians out there. We don't always know who they are, but when we speak, when we share, people, by and large, begin to understand. So we're called to, to share his praises, to declare his love and his goodness. But we're also called to minister and we're called to make disciples. So this whole package becomes the, um, the package that we refer to as being his royal priesthood 
And as believers, I'm convinced that that is who we are. Peter speaks about it being an incredible privilege to serve God. And yet the Bible recognises, and we certainly feel this, that we're not worthy. Who am I? So many times we hear that. Who am I? I'm unworthy. You'd have heard this before. But if we take a whole list of characters from the Bible, we, in our human eyes, would consider them to be unworthy. I mean, who would choose Noah and bless Noah, who had a drink problem? Abraham, he was too old. Isaac was a bit of a... Any daydreamers here? Okay, any Isaacs here? He was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. I'm not going to ask if there are any liars here, obviously. Um, Leah, I'm told, was ugly. Joseph was abused and mistreated by his family, wasn't he? Moses, a murderer (laughs) who couldn't speak well. What a person to choose, eh? What's God thinking about? Um, Aaron was a people pleaser. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were just kids, far too young. David, another murderer and an adulterer to boot. Elijah, he was suicidal at times. Saul, you could say he had mental health problems. That's what it looks like when you read his story. Uh, Jonah was a bit of an escape artist and ran away from God when God called him. Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. These, these are all people that we meet every day, aren't they? Yeah? Aren't they just? John the Baptist ate bugs. We might not meet many of those people every day. Um, Peter. Now here's one. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm okay. I thought, do anyone else fall asleep while they're praying? <laughs> I, yeah, I always, I always make my main prayer time first thing in the morning because I'm less likely to fall asleep. I don't mean while I'm lying in bed first thing in the morning. I mean once I'm actually up and dressed and had a couple of coffees. That's prayer time. If I pray in the evening, then I'll fall asleep during it. And the disciples did just that. Martha, she went about worrying about everything. Yeah. Some of those here. Um, Mary Magdalene, we're told, was demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman, well, she was a Samaritan woman. Um, That was issue in itself. Um, But she was also divorced more than once um, and was an outcast of her society. Zacchaeus, he was too small. Hallelujah. (laughs) Zacchaeus was still welcomed by Jesus. Paul was Paul. He tortured Christians. And then he became the great apostle. Thomas doubted, and Lazarus, well, he was dead. (laughs) And um, God called all of these people. Jesus had compassion on all of these people. They are people like you, and I mean, there's no one dead here, (laughs) and I can't see anyone who's asleep. Just checking. No, that's we're doing all right. We're doing okay. God called all of these people. God brought us here today. And I believe that in itself, as I've said earlier, is evidence of God's calling. But I want to ask the question, 
because I think it's good to take a challenge away. And I haven't got any goodies to hand out with, you know, bits of paper and bookmarks and stuff this morning. So you need to remember these questions and just think about them, if, if you would, please. Do you know, or if not, are you prepared to find out what specifically God has called you to do? Who God has called you to be? Yes, tomorrow morning. Yes, long term. How is God calling you? What is God asking of you? I think that's a really important thing to discover, don't you? It's so central to not just this passage, but the whole of our understanding of God and the whole of our faith. Who am I in God's eyes and what is my purpose for life? So have a think about that, if you would. And then remember that God doesn't always choose the people who are most gifted in human terms or the people that have had a smart background, people that are upright and true and honest and um, alive or whatever. No, he might not call people who are dead. We won't go there. Um, But he calls and chooses the weak to confound the wise. God doesn't choose those who are equipped so much as he equips those who are called. That's the way it is with God. Just look at those disciples. Hey, what a bunch. And what a powerful ministry they had because God was able to work through them. Oh, how often have I spoken to someone and says, I couldn't do that. I don't have the skills, I don't have the qualifications, I can't go back to college and study, you know, I'm just, it's just little old me. And those are the people God equips and God blesses, because it's not about our skills and abilities, it's about allowing the Spirit to have all there is of us and to work for us. So we're, we're chosen, we're called, we're equipped for the task. But we need to live a life that is open to God. We need to be listening for his voice. Perhaps it's a good job that I just mentioned um, praying because that's where it begins and ends, isn't it? The one thing, going back to where we started um, with our young people, I thought to myself, you know, traditionally we've got to the point of thinking that young people leave church, sadly. Don't hear this, folks. But some of us oldies were, were beginning to think like that. And I, I wondered why that was. And I think it's often because, as a church, we do lots of wonderful things, but we sometimes forget to pray. And as Christian families, sometimes prayer is left out. It's not the most important thing. And we're not used to using those words with people we know well. And if that happens, it's so, it's so sad. So the thing we thought of when we started our youth church that we wanted to make sure happened every week was at the end, we sit in a circle and every, we go around the circle because it just puts a little bit of pressure on people, not too much. So we go around the circle and the hope is that everyone prays. If they don't want to, all they need to do is nudge the person next to them and the person next to them will take will will pray so we have one or two that don't pray very often and when we have new people come we always say you don't have to pray and graciously there's one or two of the the long time folk who won't pray every week so that it doesn't seem that it's the 
you know, we're the prayers and you fewer those who don't. So we try to, uh, try to be a bit subtle about it. But it's about prayer. If there's one thing that will convince us that God is God, it is when he answers prayer. If there's one thing that is a solid foundation to our faith, it's a relationship with God that becomes central to everything we do. And so whatever we pray for, we're expecting that will be the the thing that cements faith and builds faith. So that is just so, so important. That was not on my notes. I don't know why I said that this morning. Maybe that's for somebody here. Maybe it's for a family here, um, you know, to, to just remember the importance of prayer. Chosen, special, purpose, the Holy Spirit's channel through which he works. This is what this passage is, for me, all about. So I commend it to you. 1 Peter chapter 2 is the passage in case you've forgotten and we are going to be listening to God and asking him to speak to us. Now I've written out a prayer for this morning and I was going to get two people to read it but I'm not. I'm going to read it myself. It's a prayer of thanks because God is good God is faithful and what we've shared this morning is something that speaks of the loving compassionate, caring God. The God whose arms are wide open to include all people and not just to welcome them in but to demonstrate that they are special, called, chosen, equipped to do his work. So here's a prayer of thanks. We thank you because you're a God of relationships, Father, Son, and spirit. We're so thankful that you desire to be in relationship with every one of us. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you chose 12 ordinary, flawed people to be your disciples, and that you still call ordinary, flawed people like us to follow you and participate in your extraordinary mission. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you chose to have no place of your own to lay your head, that you chose dependence on others for hospitality rather than independence, that you chose to drink the cup of suffering, chose to upset the authorities by loving the unacceptable, that you welcomed young children, that you honoured the excluded, We're so thankful, Jesus, that you chose to preach and demonstrate a radical gospel that shocked and provoked and sometimes offended, but also brought hope to those who dared to believe that there had to be a better way. We're so thankful that we are each chosen for many and varied tasks in your church. We are thankful that we are each chosen to be your disciples, to walk in your way. We thank you that we are each chosen to be your friends, to be loved by you. Help us, Lord, each moment, each day, to choose friendship with you, to choose to imitate your way of living, 
to obey your command to love as you love us. Help us to choose life, life that works with Jesus, life in all its fullness that can only be found in you. And help us to receive all that you have for us. Father, we give you honour and glory and reaffirm our commitment to you. Amen. Thank you.